This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But I, the fact is, a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially as you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing? In order, you know, that that would make it better. Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is, is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that, that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 643, brought to you by Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter the promo code iFanboy at checkout. And iFanboy listeners like you... Episode 643, my name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host, Josh Lanyon. Hello! And I'm at Comic-Con, live from San Diego Comic-Con. And uh, let's well, see, what's happening? A hotel room early in the morning, with, with a questionable internet connection and noise restrictions. So let's see, I can't talk loudly because it's early in the morning and there's probably people sleeping across the hall, across the way, so I can't be loud. Uh, the internet's really archaically slow. And uh, there's a lot of noise, so we're gonna go with it. This is, you know, in the past we do like a 20 minute Comic Con show, so at least you get you get a full show this time. Presumably, <laughs> we also have would have no voice at this point. So I've been I've been I've been you know making sure that didn't happen this time. Right. Well, you only had one. I think normally we did it on like Saturday or something like that after I'd had a chance to completely just wreck my voice. It happened every time, and it'd be like this time I'm not gonna. Hi, here we go. It was it was it was impossible not to. We are iFanboy, and every week we read a bunch of comics. And one of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, some other books we read. We'll do the patron powers, the patron pick, maybe some listener mail if we've got time. It'll be fun. And here's a spoiler warning. It's a review show. Spoilers are abound. Exercise some caution. And this week, Josh, you had the pick. I did have the pick of the week. The pick of the week was Old Man Hawkeye number seven. Um, it was almost a couple of other books. And then when I read through it, I was like, well, what did I have the most fun reading? Um, and sort of what, what gave me the thrill? And then I came back to Old Man Hawkeye. Um, this issue was drawn mostly by Ibrahim uh, Robertson. Uh, mm -hmm. who, and then the very last page was drawn by Marco Chiquetto, who's been the series regular. Um, wasn't bad, just a little bit different. Uh, I liked it, but it worked because most of this issue was a flashback. Um, and what I, what I really liked, I think the thing that, that brought it around was was this the pick of the week before? Or was it just a book that I liked a lot? I don't remember. I'm. I think I made it the pick of the week. I'll check while you talk. Well, there was one of them, and I think it was one. Uh, there was the first one where you saw that what Hawkeye was doing was going after the old Thunderbolts, and and I went, "All right," because that was one of my favorite Hawkeye eras. Um, but I kind of didn't remember specifically what happened with the Thunderbolts. Um, you know, I, I knew in general terms sort of what happened. Like, they were bad, but then they were good, mm -hmm. and then they ended up bad, and some were good, and, and, and whatever. Um, but this basically takes a an Elseworlds approach, basically. And, and what we do here in this issue is go back in times to sort of see where it fell apart. Um, and in the beginning, you've got 
Black Widow and and uh, Clint Barton uh, in a Quinjet full of Avengers and Thunderbolts. Uh, and and Natasha's just like, this is not a good idea. And Clint's like, what? It's cool. And he's in the wrong uniform, which is very important to point out and ridicule. Yeah. He's right. there's no reason that he needs to be in that outfit right there. It's a flashback. Well, this is a flashback to when they all died. Yeah, 45 years ago. So what we do is we find out in this world what actually happened to the Avengers and when it all sort of started. And it's that uh, Clint was convinced that his team had turned around and uh, was going to bring them into battle with the Avengers. And then sort of uh, as they're approaching, uh, there's many powerful villains. You've got Magneto and Sandman and Absorbing Man and, you know, against all the Avengers heavy hitters. And at the sort of crucial moment, Songbird turns on, um, I think it's War Machine, as I'm flipping mm-hmm. through it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, no, it's Falcon. Um, I guess my got my black superheroes mixed up. Sorry. No, War, well, War Machine dies first. Does he? Yeah. Yeah, he goes down. It's goes because right in that, that panel with the Falcon is uh, Mach 1. Actually, he shoots at him too, uh, but he looks kind of like War Machine in there. So he shoots uh, Sam Wilson down. And and Clint is taken completely by surprise, and then you know the the Thunderbolts all sort of turn on the Avengers. Uh, Citizen V, uh, who is not supposed to be Baron Zemo anymore, stabs Black Widow, and then turns out he is Baron Zemo. And there's a wonderful Zemo line in here where he he basically you know I'm Zemo. <laughs> it's th- those sort of that sort. No wait, I'm thinking of something else. Uh, either way, I, I like Baron Zemo a lot. He makes me happy. Uh, the line I was thinking of is actually there's an I am doom bit uh, in the runaways, which we're not going to talk about this. Yeah. Like one of the things was, well, you're doom. And he's like, for I am doom. But it's a doom bot. So it's not really doom. And I was just like, that's great. That's a panel of the week right there. Um, anyway, so like this basically uh, sets the ground for a story that I didn't really know what had happened in. And it, it you know, it, it seven issues in, they basically pull everything together about what Clint is doing and why he's so angry, and it and it pulls the entire story together. Um, and a lot of times, a, a flash a flashback issue like this can be kind of hacky, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel that way at all. I was I was you know, I was totally into it. Yeah, I mean, so the, so we find out how the villains defeat the heroes, and we find out during this fight that the other hero teams, Black Panther's team and Captain America's team, are all also dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it did seem a little easy. But um, maybe it is. I don't know. Well, uh, I mean, if you had uh, the way that I looked at it, like they planned it all out. So they had everybody where they needed to be. They got Absorbing Man to the point where he was, you know, super strong. And, and there is precedent for Absorbing Man taking down Thor in the past. Mm-hmm. And that's happened. You had a sort of a touching moment with Magneto. And like he's got to kill his kids, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it, it, you're right. Sort of, but at the same time, like I'm taking this in the vein of it's a big dumb comic book yeah. story. No, I, I, I didn't, it didn't really bother me. I was like, oh, he just, he just stabs her. I think there's That's another, it. there's another issue that we read around here that is the sort of the same. I had the same idea. I'm trying to remember what it but was. It was fine. Um, it was nice. To, I mean, now you see why Clint is hunting the Thunderbolts so aggressively. Yeah, as, and it was you know him. appropriately melodramatic. You know, when they cut from sort of the broken uh, Clint Barton, who Zemo's like, I'm not going to kill you. You're just going to have to. We killed off all the real heroes. And you're like, oh, that's cold, Zemo. <laughs> and they cut to him, you know, and he's still in that same position and broken. And it's totally a melodramatic and hokey. But, uh, you know, and, and then the sort of last bit is that he's like, listen, the only thing that we have is the element of surprise. You back up and Zemo's watching them on a monitor. And you're like, can't win for losing. Well, I think that... Um the fact that it'll probably come down to Clint versus Zemo is probably really appropriate considering their history. So yeah, that's nice. It's a nice little button on this story. Yeah. And it, I mean, like it really touches into, you know, one of my favorite times to be reading Marvel comics and that, and that's got a lot to do with it. There's definitely that element of, Oh, this is the good stuff. This is, you know, the time before the time. I mean, if you think about that, Thunderbolt stuff was really in the, it wasn't, it was, it was just before, the sort of Bendis revolution. Mm-hmm. It was that sort of late nineties, like fucking nobody was reading. So, right. uh, you know, and that's right when I came back in and I, I think it must've been you who gave me Thunderbolts or maybe it was I think it, Steve I or Jared, but you know, I got in right at the right time, I think, and read the first like three of them. And, and then I was with it forever after then that was before Clint Barton even came along. I think there was a special issue that combined the first issues one and two. 
because mm-hmm. like, I and nobody nobody knew it was coming. This is you know pre-internet and you know all, it was just a, it was a great feeling. And like I didn't know what it was, and I was like, oh, this is really fun. And then at the end, like, oh no, they're bad guys. And then like Kurt Busiek just just played that out for a long time. <laughs> and and then really, I mean, I still think of the brilliance of putting Hawkeye in charge of that team. Like that was brilliant manipulation of Marvel property right there. So a lot of stabbings in this one. Oh sure, stabbings, beheadings. They got to use good. They got to use good uh, sound effects for it. So when uh, when Giant Atlas stabs the Black Knight, you hear schlink. Uh, when when uh, Citizen V stabs <laughs> Black Widow, you get schlunk. Uh, it's it's good stuff. What's the wham wham wham? Yeah, there's the when uh, Absorber Man starts beating the crap out of Thor. This, this he just hits him over and over and over again. It was like it really worked. I was like, I get what's going on here. Uh, it was fun. Yeah, this this series, but I I don't think it's been pick of the week. I looked through the archives, didn't mm-hmm. see it. Um, but it's definitely been a book we've talked about a lot. Yeah, we've talked about most of the issues. Yep, super fun. And and I just thought, oh, this is this is you're tying up the story. And and so you know, there's almost no way that this isn't buttoned up nicely and fun. And with a you know next issue or two, I'm guessing. Um, well, it's twelve, I think. Awesome. That's great. So we I'll have more a, little bit. Bit, a lot more to go. Five more. Uh, well, so he still, stuff, you know, he still has Bullseye to deal with. Yep. He's got um, Red Skull. Maybe Red Skull to deal with, but not, not necessarily. Uh, he's going blind. Hawkeye and does not survive this, by the way. Hawkeye and Zemo probably kill each other. Mm-hmm. But, no, um, I don't think five. I don't think that can go for five issues. Well, he's got Bullseye. That'll be a couple issues. I mean, he's got to deal with whatever issues he sure. and Kate have. And, um, the dog. But yeah, that's, this has been a great series. Yep. So it was one of those like you know, I just had a lot of fun reading it. I wasn't like, look at this masterful work. I was like, it's just it's just you know, sloppy joes and great fries. I'm I'm hungry, Josh. Don't do that. Really? I can't find myself <laughs> wanting a sloppy joe, but no, I don't want sloppy joe. Just the idea of food. Yeah, I understand. Me too. So I'm gonna guess that the Immortal Hulk number three was also a possible pick for you. It was it was surprisingly delightful, and for a second I did consider it. Yes, um, I can't remember. Did you read the last one? Because we talked yeah. about it, and we were both like, "Eh, something going on." I, what I mean, I think what's nice about this series right now is that no expectations to start. First issue, okay, pretty good. Some glimmers, some eh. Second issue, like, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. You know, like it went it went up a tick. I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, third issue, I was I was kind of like, wow. You're really, you're really showing me something. Well, this is the, this is the kind of issue that uh, Marvel will do that DC would never do, where they have a bunch of indie style artists working on these different storylines. I feel like I haven't seen it in a long time, though. Yeah, this is the thing they used to do a lot in the early 2000s, specifically when they really had their eye towards an indie crowd, and also when there was an indie crowd instead of just a thousand people who have web comics that you don't know. And so here we have. Uh, we have a Hulk sighting that is told through various viewpoints as the, to the reporter. Um, uh, God damn it. What's her name? I'm just going back. She's a play on the original character. Yeah. And the, uh, and the episode is, is titled or the issue is titled point of view. Jackie McGee. So Jack McGee was the reporter in the TV series that followed him around. So this is Jackie McGee. And uh, she's, so she's trying to get the scoop on a Hulk encounter and uh, each each point of view is told by a different style of artists, and uh, it was fun. I still don't like how gigantic the Hulk is. Uh, that's fine. I'll get over it. I don't know if I buy the idea that the Hulk can get his chest blown out and heals like the like Wolverine. I don't know if we've ever seen that before. He should be so dense that it doesn't hurt him. Yeah. But I mean, I, but I don't, I don't feel like Hulk heals like Wolverine. I see. Though know? I think I buy that part. I didn't buy that it would have it wouldn't have just bounced off of him. But I right. bought that if he is injured, it heals. Cause that's probably what's happening all the time. That's the way that I would think about it. Like his, his, his cells are just so alive cause he's always building muscle and that's why he keeps getting stronger. The matter he gets. And it's just the same thing. Like his cells regenerate super, super fast, but there isn't yeah. really a good reason why that would have gone through him basically is what I was thinking. But this was good. And then it ends with, uh, is it Sasquatch from Alpha flight? Yep. Really bad sideburns on that guy. Like way worse, way worse than Ron. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I mean, this this ended up being a really fun issue. I think the last two issues have been really really strong. So I, I really I really did dig the art in this. Um, I think I'm trying to figure out who is who. There's the one well, that. So, Joe Bennett is the regular artist. He did the right. framing sequence. Yeah, he did the framing sequence, and then Leonardo there's... Romero did the cop story. Paul Horn Hornschmeyer did the Schmeier. bartender. Marguerite Savage did the old ladies James Dean story. Yep. Gary Brown did the priest story. I, I've, Marguerite Savage is the only name I've I've, I've heard of those. I've heard of Gary all... Brown. Um, but uh, to get to each each bit though, it, like every one of them, I went oh. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, and they weren't, you know, it wasn't um, stacked. They were inter intermixed. Mm-hmm. So you weren't, you didn't read like six pages of one, six pages yes. of the next. Um, right. It was really, really well done. Uh, when we cut to the cop and, and basically that's the, the Gary Brown, I think. Uh, and he's, he's, you know, there's that dot pitch sort of, uh, it's almost like if, if uh, Chris Somney, you know, had, had been doing comics in the, early 80s that's kind of what the it looks like leonardo romero okay that's leonardo romero i really like you know what is that the person who took over on captain america after chris omni left i don't know i think it might don't, be don't ask me at 9 a.m sorry i think it might be though we, and we were like wow this looks a lot like chris omni um then you have the 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 hornschmeyer i can tell just by his name that he did this section by the way just the way that the you know, that that's classic indie comic artist and like that style, um, the Savage stuff really sort of fit for it. it was very different. And then you you cut to uh, the the Gary Brown stuff, and it, it almost looks like um, uh, like uh, Bill Sienkiewicz had inked it or something like that. Yeah. It's just a complete turnaround. And, and I, man, it really worked. I it was it was exactly like what I did not expect, and it was really surprising. And I liked you know the mystery that is going around this thing because we're not sort of hanging out with with Banner, and we don't have his point of view. Um, yeah, big, like just a big, really nice surprise. I thought, and I thought that writing was great. Uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man number two. So you stuck with this because you weren't sure if you were. I I don't, I don't know why. Um, I, I, I I don't know why because I was, I had quite a lot of books and I, I downloaded it anyway and I, I, you know, I read it and the whole time. Uh, I was I was sort of torn. I was like, "There's something I like about this." At the same time, there's something I mm-hmm. don't like about it. Yeah, and it which is, is which is I think Dan Slott in a nutshell for us. Yeah, and and it's it's that it it's that it feels like an old comic, both in a good way and in a bad way. There's really good ideas. Yeah, and really it, good concepts and sequences. It's just every so often, well, the, goof, the goofy turns too too high, and it it he really. Did a good job with it on Silver Surfer, where it didn't get this mm-hmm. silly. Um, I, I, it's it's not. I I know what you're getting at, and I don't I don't think you're wrong, but I don't know that that's it for me. I like that there are so many characters and so many things happening, and and they're all mm-hmm. rooted in Marvel. You've got Jocasta. Um, I think he's on the edge of having too many things, and this is actually what be. I felt when I read uh, the end of his Spider-Man run, whatever that issue 800 I think was. Um, I talked about it with Jim Viscardi on here, and it's just. It's just too much. And that was a big special issue, so I kind of got it. But with this, there were so many plots and so many characters. And any of them were kind of interesting. Um, and like the Jocasta masquerading as a human, you know, that was all hyped up again. It was very melodramatic, which which I praised in, in the Hawkeye issue. So I can't, you know, but also like I was like, we, do we have room for that here? It, it's almost like a team book kind of thing. And then, and then so we, finally, I'm almost there. Yeah. The, I think the problem that I have with it is that all this stuff is going on. You're right. They're really good ideas and concepts, but it is just a little bit too much surface for me to grab onto anything. It's melodrama well, for this, for the sake of it, but it isn't really getting to anything that I don't know. Well, it's because there's basically five storylines in 20 pages. Yeah. So you don't really get to spend much time in any, any of them. So we have, uh, Rhodey who is suddenly claustrophobic and can't function in the suit. Mm-hmm. We have this new guy, Andy, who right now serves no purpose, the the robotics guy. Mm-hmm. We have Jocasta, who has become a militant uh, robot rights person or robot, and as well as as well as at the same time trying to pass as human sometimes. We have Bethany, the security guard, who's also a double agent. And then we have Tony, who basically is the least explored character in the book so far, which is funny because they put his name in the title. Yeah, and he is—he's a very surface-level Tony Stark right now, yeah. which is—and I don't think that flies. 
So there's a lot going on. You're right. It's very. I'm still liking it though. I I mean there is there is something compelling about it, and I think it's that thing where it's all about drama in the moment and gaspy head turns, but it doesn't get past that. And so that's what you know. That's what an '80s comic felt like. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it wasn't. They weren't writing really a, adults so much, and maybe that's. So there's there's something I kind of like about it. There's something impressive about it. You know, with all that stuff going on, like I feel I really feel like they got the point across with Jocasta. They got the point across with Rhodey. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and those then are the two big, in this issue that were most explored. Yeah, um, but but it, it, you know, it's it's not giving me something I guess intellectual that I think I tend to expect out of a lot of things. Mm. Uh, I thought it looked oh. really good. Valero shitty, shitty. Uh, I think I think does a nice job. He's a good match for this. It looks good. I liked. I liked. Uh, what is it? Machine Man showing up at the end too. I was like, all right. That that had a bit of a vision vibe to it. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. You're right. The, they have like a you well, know, two robots married with a, the one robot's wearing like a polo shirt. And... I don't. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that Dan Slott's necessarily the best at coming up with original uh, groundbreaking concepts. Sometimes I feel like he's doing. Not really a cover act, but he does a thing where he takes these basics of super, superhero stuff and he weaves them around, uh, you know, and that was sort of a new thing that got added to the toolbox. But I don't know enough to say that. I take it back. Batman 51, I thought, was going to be shoe-in for Pick of the Week with you. Lee Weeks, coming back. Ab- ab- absolutely. I, I was actually really impressed at how good it was coming out of the... It's like, you know, Tom King, I'm tired of talking about this because it, it feels like we're in the bag for him. And we all are a little bit. Like but, but you know what the thing was? I thought with the art, with the Lee Weeks art, uh-huh. it didn't it didn't feel like any other Tom King book so far. Yeah, it, it didn't. It did at, the, at the end, the, the structure was there, but it didn't feel like that staccato yeah. Mitch, Mitch Garrett's Mr. Miracle. It, I know what you mean. That's a it, really good it, way of staccato is a really good word for that, by the way. I want to give you credit. It uh, it had a it had a different feel to it. He I think he definitely wrote to the artist here. Lee Weeks, <laughs> for those who don't know, was big deal in the late eighties, early nineties. Uh, he did Daredevil and did some Batman. He should be a big he should be a big deal right now. He should still be working all the time. He's these pages don't look like he's lost a step. And uh, Elizabeth have, Brightweiser on colors did not hurt at all. No, not at all. And we have twelve angry Batman here as uh, I, I I was I got to that one double page spread and I was like, damn, they're doing this. I've never seen this story before. So Bruce Wayne goes to jury duty wearing a really unfortunate outfit. I do have to say the uh, the, the, the 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 sort of salmon colored shirt with the black to black jacket. Maybe coral. <laughs> yeah, it's just not a good not a good choice. I have to ding the colorist on that one. Um, unless that was a directive but so he gets picked for jury duty which never would have happened but that's fine along with a guy with a mohawk so i have to i have to give credit to gotham's progressive jury duty selection because the mohawk guy would never get chosen either uh to sit on the jury for mr mr freeze trial a trial in which batman features heavily in and so uh i've never seen you're right i've never seen that kind of thing before and also while he's on jury duty because he's sequestered robin is i mean not rob <laughs> freudian slip dick grayson is running around with batman again which I liked. So, I liked that a lot. I was like, oh. And, you know, Gordon's like, you're the other one. And I was like, oh, we could bring him back to Grayson's Batman, which I love that as an option. I think that's that's great. Um, there were there were a couple of things in here that I was a little torn on. Um, I mean, on the one hand, we've talked about this a lot. But when something happens in Batman's life, we're always subjected to six months of, of inner turmoil. Yeah. Um, and so he's clearly harboring more anger than usual as a result of, I, I presume, uh, the wedding not happening. He got um, dumped, so he throws a urinal across the- Well, no, but he, he beat the shit out of Mr. Freeze, too. That's true. Well, that I mean, this is precedent for uh, when Jason Todd was killed yep. temporarily. He he was he was a bit more vicious for a while, which is... I know, but I've, I feel like we've done that, and I just, I'm, t- I'm I always, I always hate dealing with the aftermath of that stuff, um, because it makes that story that not that I didn't like, but it just makes it. Well, last this story isn't long. over. No, yeah. I know. Um, so he got really mad, and then I had that moment of like, "Well, who's going to pay for that? And how's he going to explain it if he pays for it? Like he had a a, a pissing mishap." Um, then there was the bit. There was another bit where, and it was a good bit where they put Jim Gordon on the stand, 
And uh-huh. and I just and they ask him, well, was Batman allowed to be there? And he's basically like, no. And I just thought you would have done this a thousand times by now. So yeah. like this is the yeah. first DA who ever or, or prosecutor or def, uh, defense, defense attorney, lawyer. sorry, uh, who ever thought of that? Like he, like so that yeah, seemed you to like have to let let that one go a little. Um, but I like the idea of Bruce Wayne sort of mixing with all the folks and and him take you know him being the dissenting voice. I thought was a nice twist on sort of Batman's uncompromising justice. Not even a twist; it fits along with it. Gorgeous art, really. Uh, I thought well done court stuff. You know, like the technicalities of it. I was like, oh, this is what jury duty is like. So, you know, that's an un- that's an understood. Um, you know, I just love that the the, the the sort of silent panel where. The only dissenting voice is Bruce's. Where he, but it's not a voice; it's just a raised hand. It was yep. a nice. Yeah, it was really. That's a great panel. It is, especially yeah. given the um, the panels that come before it. You know, like the they're all arguing with each other at the table, and then you have four quick panels as you really like micro focus in on the jury foreman, yeah. uh, and then and all of a sudden, like you slow down the pace a ton there. That's a great page. It's a good. This is a, this is a really good issue. Oh god, it just looks so good. I think I think talking about it made me like it more than I I did, but I was really impressed with it. I, I saw I I really liked the n- not change of pace, but just the ch- like okay, we're we're after the wedding thing. We're gonna do a different type of issue with a different artist. Going to feel like a, a like another thing. And um, well, I like that we're dealing with the uh, the fallout of the wedding without without. Directly dealing with the problem. That's a really good it was, point. It's not just talking. It's not. It's not Clark and Bruce up on a rooftop going, "Man, you got to talk about it." Because that's cheap. I've seen it. He's on a case because he's pissed because he went too far with Mister Freeze. Yeah, I like that. I also really love the panel where Dick is jumping at Killer Croc for some reason. It's not like while well, he's on the phone. I just yeah, I just love it. Hey man, it's Dick. <laughs> he's like wait super high in the air with an impossibly giant yep. cape and it's just uh, i just love the way this book looks it's, a, it's um, really i did love that pay, that sequence with gordon on the roof yep i mean the dialogue but also it's it's sparse and just the way that lee weeks lays out a page is terrific this this color is great and it's it's funny because i don't feel like we mentioned jordy belair we didn't mention matt matt wilson we mentioned um uh, Dave Stewart, you know, who do it. And, and you know, the Brightweiser stuff is a little less flat. It's a little more, but it's really, really works here. It's really nice. Works yeah. with this art. It's a really good looking book. Yep. Let's take a moment to talk about Mac Weldon, Josh. It's our favorite underwear topic. Sure. As far as I know. I mean, I don't know how, how and, often during, and other during clothing and accessories you're talking about underwear, but. You'd be surprised. Uh, <laughs> so Mac Weldon's great for when you're, you know, this is perfect time to talk about Mac Weldon. So I'm at Comic-Con. You're walking around all day. You're 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 worried about chafing. You're you're worried about getting sweaty. Mac Weldon's got you covered there because that so that unbelievable silver line, the antimicrobial line, the comf- ultra comfort, is a perfect underwear to have while you're walking around Comic Con. And so I'm really happy that I have a bunch of pairs of that, and I'm really happy that I was able to get them through Mac Weldon because it's easy to do. You go to the website, you find the, the silver line. They got all different options, different colors. Click here. It's in your it's in your cart. Click, you buy it, and you got it in a couple of days, and you have it for Comic Con. Now it's too late now because Comic Con is in the past as you're listening to this. But for me, I'm all set. I'm I'm assuming that you had to do some forward planning to make sure that you had enough clean oh, for sure. pairs. For sure. Like so, sure. but like the the few days before, you were like, I'm going with the B Squad because I want I I need to make sure for an event like that, you have to make sure that the A Squad uh, is in place, and you and you have to have you know an extra in case it's a sweaty day. Although, I mean, look, you, with the 18-hour or the silver line, you're probably good to go. The thing is, you're doing that with your entire wardrobe, you know. You're, yeah. not, you're, not, you're not wearing the A shirts, you're not the jeans, socks. Mm-hmm. But most, I mean, the most important, as this is my 16th Comic-Con. Jesus Christ. You have to start with the with the, with the the uh, foundation, the foundation being the underwear. Because we've all been here in which we, we wore the wrong underwear and... Who was it that was cripplingly chafed? Somebody in our group was one year, and it was a disaster. So you got to you got to know what you're in for here. It's a slog, and you got to the only way to survive is with the right tools. The right tools, including your Mac Weldon underwear. So I have a I have a I have an outdoor musical gig coming up this week. Ooh. So you know that sweaty. I'm sweaty. Yeah, I'm, I've I've got my Mac Weldon shirt, my T-shirt there, my black T-shirt. Nice. And uh, and I'll ha- I'll have probably a silver line up on tap. Also, uh, quick note: bought the travel kit 
and oh, I used smart. it for my trip to uh, my trip to work on the West Coast. It worked out very nicely. I'm happy to have gotten that. What does it what does it include? It's just a little uh, little travel kit, you know, with a couple of zippered pockets. It came with little bottles and stuff that you put in, and it zips up like it seals up really nicely, and it's sort of you know the good shape to stick in. The other one I had before, uh, it was kind of big and flat and weird. Whereas this was a little more compact, but I was able to fit everything in it for, you know, that five day trip that I would need. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a cosmopolitan man. I have products. So it worked out. <laughs> well, this is perfect because Mac Weldon believes in smart design, as Josh just mentioned, premium fabrics, as I mentioned, and simple shopping, as I also mentioned. Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants and more that you will ever wear. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that, you're, that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. They want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like the first pair, you can keep it, and they'll still refund you with no questions asked. That is a commitment to their product. And not only does Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. It's good for working out, going to work, going out on dates, walking around a convention center with 100,000 other sweaty nerds for four days. Any situation, really, you can find yourself in. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code iFanboy at checkout. That's promo code iFanboy at MacWeldon.com for 20% off. And thank you for Mac Weldon for sponsoring the show. Is it still like like hot blazing awfulness in Southern California, or is it? No, actually, down there? it's it's we got lucky. If this had happened a week ago, this would be miserable. But it's uh, it's like eighties, low eighties. All right, high seven, high seventies. It that's was not it was, that's not bad there. It was upper nineties uh, a week ago, so we dodged a bullet. Hmm. We came here with that one year you recall where it was like that, and it was miserable. Yeah, but I remember another year where it was like in the low seventies, and we got to wear pants yeah. all week, and I was like, this is heaven. Well, I always wear pants just to, you know, be professional. But you didn't used to. Don't no. don't act like that was a thing. No, 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 no. This was a this was a journey we went on. I do not. Yeah, no. I I look back at the old video shows and I go, "Why are you wearing shorts, you idiot?" <laughs> exactly. That's terrible. I'm gonna put the camera up. It's too low. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to be comfortable. We were in our twenties. What were we thinking? So the weather is an up short two. shot. No one wants that. I couldn't remember if I had committed to reading more Weatherman, so I I didn't. I did the same, except I did. I had an inkling. I was like, I feel like I liked this, but I have no recollection of what it is. Um, and what was funny is that I started reading it, and I was like, I don't remember this at all. And I was five pages in before I was like, oh. And that is because – so the last issue um, was very different. Uh, it was this guy, and there's a – it was a future world, obviously, but it wasn't so much different than ours. Um, but something had happened, like there was an event that we knew about in the past. And uh, there's this weatherman that everybody loves, and he goes on the air at the very last second, and he's dashing, and he goes through everything. And, and like, you know, his bosses hate him, but man, does he get the job done. And then he meets this girl, and he goes on a date with her, and it's great. And then at the very end of the date, uh, she captures him and takes him in because she's like a secret agent person. Okay, That's how that last one ended. Uh, and also, this is the dumb thing where this is this guy is responsible for the end of the world. So it's the 90th book we're reading where it's all his fault. Like Analog this week. Yep. Um, by the way, Analog would completely work if they didn't make him responsible for it so far. Maybe there's a plot later where it does matter, but I don't see why it has to be his fault. Anyway, uh, so this issue starts with uh, the weatherman guy is like the, a prisoner on a huge spaceship that's floating around outside of Mars. Well, or, that's where it takes place on Mars. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. Then Earth was destroyed. They're all they all moved to Mars. That's and other planets. That's the other thing. Yeah. But it was such a different sort of setting that I, I had a hard time getting back on board. I was like, "What is this?" And then I was like, "Oh, right, I remember now." And and he finds out that basically he's this person who was a special ops person or somebody who uh, got his identity changed like fully. Basically, he just said, "Wipe my memory. I don't want to remember that I did any of it." Total because, recall. Yeah, he becomes this new person, and so in a way, he isn't really responsible. And and they they're trying to get him to help because they're trying to stop some other disaster or whatever. Um, but as I remembered what it was and I kept getting it was like there is something that I like about this. And a lot of that is uh, Nathan Fox and Dave uh, Dave Stewart on art. Um, right. You know, Nathan Fox, somebody I kind of forgot about. He he came along, I don't want to say five, ten years ago. And I, I, I we'd see him a bunch here and there. And it was like, oh, this guy's got something really special, right. sort of in the um, Mateo Scalera mold, I guess I yeah. would say. Uh, and then Dave Stewart coloring it just on top is is really great. Um, Jody LaHook, a name I've seen, but I I, I knew we did like shirtless bear fighter. I think 
it yeah. didn't really make an impression on me one way or another. But this is kind of interesting. It's not it's not really a story I haven't completely seen, but uh, the combination of all those things, there, there's something that makes me want to keep going. So the next time it comes around, I'm going to try to remember that I'd read it and want to keep reading it. Well, if you like it, then I'll then I'll go back and. Yeah, I, I, it'd be, it might be interesting. Give it give it a look. It, it definitely does a shift where we're in a different thing. Um, it's a big world. So you put Deathbed number six on the list. I did. Uh, this is the last issue, I think. Has to be. Yeah, it is. It's the last issue. Um, last of of this miniseries, which you had had as pick of the week once. So I thought it would yep. be good to comment sort of on the end of it, um, and just get a quick take on on what you sort of thought of the ending. Um, and to start. I will say that uh, you said, and before we were talking about the pick of the week in Hawkeye, like it happened awful quick and awful easy. Uh, this book ended real fast. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it was, you know, these days comic companies don't like to advertise miniseries because people don't buy them. At least that's the that's been the history. So this wasn't revealed to be a miniseries, I think, until the second or third issue. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I mean, this was six issues, I think, in probably needed to be eight to ten i you know it's just the thing is i don't know i think it probably could have been five but you could have drawn this act out a little longer and shortened some of the other ones the thing is i liked the weirdo journeys they went on yeah that, that made this issue to me the least interesting one uh, I just I like the I like the over the top bombast of the story up until this point. Yeah, I, I, and I was actually totally fine with it right up in the last couple of pages, and basically they switched it around to make it into her story, but which which it always sort of was, but it was very abrupt and seemingly out of nowhere, and in three pages they sort of wrapped up little her life. Heavy handed yes. in the way they did it. It was like his story is over, now it's yours. And that's your stories. That's not that's not out of, I think, Josh Williamson's voice. In fact, one of the things that was surprising to me about this this whole time is that I didn't really didn't feel like one of his books. And I, and I know he's done a ton of different types of genres, but he has a voice that I, I think I tend to recognize. It works really, really, really well on The Flash. It works really, really well on Birthright. Um, and it, it was it was here. I was like, oh, this seems like a different guy. He's doing a different thing. But as we wrapped it up at the end i was like there he is like he's <laughs> he's a very he's a very meticulous plotter um and yeah. sometimes i think in the case of this where it where he made the ending really short it felt like we weren't given like it was it all made sense that was the perfect bow of what it needed to be i just don't think it was paced quite right everyone's just trying to please their fathers well <laughs> <laughs> i don't have time <laughs> i don't have time don't have connor time. i don't i mean you don't have time you know what Let's talk about Thor. <laughs> I'm very torn on Thor number three. Yep. Um, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, and I'm really bummed about it because I love Jason Aaron and I think he writes the Thor really well. But um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of long character names and place names that are, you know, these old Norse people. I don't find the, the Thorry dog at all entertaining, but he clearly does. Um, it just seemed, this seemed really muddled. I don't necessarily agree with your criticisms, but I understand them. As far as all the Thor stuff and the names and the places, I'm good with that. I I know that stuff. Um, the dog I did have, I was like, oh, he really likes the dog. And also, I mean, let's be honest, it's a crowd pleaser, this kind of thing. Um, yeah, I just, I, I I know, but, but you're aware of that. That kind of thing. Um, for me, works well. Works is best in small doses, as opposed to every couple of pages. Yep, it's the same because it's the same joke over and over again. No, I understand. Um, I mean, my my issue was a. I I did point out like this is gorgeous. Like yeah, it looks really good. I think I, I actually I, a lot of times I say I don't know why Mike Del Mundo isn't a superstar. I absolutely know why Mike Del Mundo isn't a superstar, but he's good enough to be like, and it, it doesn't look like anybody else. And it, 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 I think it takes a little getting used to, but man, is it, is it work here? I think, um, it's really fun to watch and it's kind of like, man, how does he even do all this? Um, I don't like the setting so much. Like I just, I just want to get out of this. Um, and I I think that's sort of my main problem with like, I, I get it and all this stuff has to happen and I, I don't think it's bad or whatever. It's just not my favorite place to be. Um, I think it's there was a big some, family feud in hell, basically. Yeah, and it's not even a bad idea. I just, I'm like, it's not, it's not, it's not my favorite. Um, I did like the last page reveal, though. Yes. 
um, I thought, oh, dead Thanos. That's great. Or maybe he's not dead. I don't know. He's in hell. Um, but they're basically they're equating hell, uh, you know, Hella with uh, with death, and I guess they could technically be the same person, which is kind of interesting. Um, it'll be yeah. it'd be cool to see how they do that. Um, I enjoyed it. I I didn't love it because of those reasons, but I, I still thought it was it was you know really well done and fun, and I, I really liked all the Thor and Loki stuff. The relationship yes. stuff was good. Yes, they he does a really good job with that relationship, and yeah. I liked that he basically goads. Loki and killing him so he can go to uh, Valhalla to yeah. get some reinforcements. And still screws Loki over, which I thought was nice. That's the best part to me. Yeah. This is like this, this felt almost like Tony Stark where there's a lot going on. Yep. And uh, slow it down. Yeah. Just for just just a bit. Okay. But I kind of want them to get out of here, so I don't mind. I'm like, all right, get to the next thing. I don't, I so don't you, want to do this part. You were gone last week. Was it last week? I was, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I haven't listened to the show, but I actually, I'm, I'm going to make a point too. Ryan was on the show, and I was like, "Great reprieve from Star Wars Corner." And oh, you nope. did, did you do Darth Vader? We did Darth Vader. Oh. The, the Grand Moff Tarkin hunt. It was, it was good. <laughs> and so it's really good. That was a great issue. I don't know what he said about it, but it was great. No, I he loved it. I wanted to talk about it this week, and I was like, "Oh, that was last week's book. Darn it!" Um, Star Wars Darth Vader Annual Number Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Annual Number Two is uh, is more Tarkin. Uh, but in this one, basically, the point is that uh, Vader is is officially given to Tarkin by the Emperor. Hmm. He's like, you go work for him now. You have to do what he says. And and uh, he has to deal with it. But there's this little scene in the beginning where uh, he's talking to Tarkin and you see sort of a, a red, takes up half the page, vision of, of Vader stabbing Tarkin through the middle. And Tarkin's like, you're imagining killing me right now, aren't you? <laughs> and then like the next is a big red thing and he's choking him and he's like let's let's talk to the emperor and see what he has to say about it and puts him in charge um i just thought it was fun i you know in all of this extended star wars stuff we don't actually get a lot of tarkin um and then and then further along like it was uh written by chuck wendig uh who did he's a writer he's a novelist and um he did the books those yep. novels that everybody hated i read i read the first one i didn't hate it it was i mean it was like and it was like reading any other sort of star wars thing i don't even know how to so I'm going to post you the question I posted yeah. Ryan last week. I thought these books took place after A New Hope. I don't think Darth Vader does. Okay. Star Wars, the title does. This one yeah. seems to take place before that. I guess it doesn't matter because you've got books like Poe Dameron and things like that. Yeah, Darth all, Vader all the place. Darth Vader is has shifted times. And then there was another. There was a Darth Vader book previously, which was written by Kieran Gillen. Um, mm-hmm. And then they rebooted it. And, and um, Charles Soule no- normally writes it. Uh, but this one's Chuck Wendig because it's an annual. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is pre. This is still like prequel time. It's but after late, the prequels. Late prequel time. It's after episode three. Right, but I mean, it's prequel being before. And Krennic oh. shows up in this one. Um, but uh, the whole thing is uh, I, uh, Leonard Kirk drew it. Yeah. Uh, and Leonard Kirk, uh, and it's not not quite like Lee Weeks, but a little bit of like um, he drew. Um, Christ, what was the Paul Cornell series? The not Excalibur, but Excalibur. Oh, that was the, the MI-13? Yeah. Captain Britain and MI-13? Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, he's good. Uh, yeah, really good. And I was, and again, that last issue that you guys talked about last week was Giuseppe Camicoli. Uh This one uh, is Leonard Kirk. Like, these are the artists that need to be doing these books. Like, it just, it <laughs> looks good. It's not, it's not Salvador La Roca. I, I know that guy gets it done on time, but like, this is what I want to see. The faces aren't. This is your personal crusade. It really, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, you know, I mean, I do understand. I'm guessing, I've, you know, I have no doubt that Salvador La Roca either negotiated a really great page rate according to Marvel Mm -hmm. and is the best guy. Like, he will pick you up from the airport. He is just a delight. He answers <laughs> he the phone. He feeds your cats while you're out. He, you're he, away. he yeah. puts in stuff on time. It's always reliable in quality. You know, I just don't really like it. But the, I have no doubt that you don't get that much work without being just a wonderful dude. And so because I know how that works, I, I feel bad not liking his art. But it's it's art. You can't all I know. Can I know. It. I'm, hey, I'm guessing he's like... He's just like a wonderful, you know. Oh, you need me to, you know what? I'm all dogs. If no, you don't have to pay me. Don't worry about it. Right. Like, like Laroca's there, and and like never late. You know, he's just he's he's doing the work. 
Um, and I, I get it. But if, if I had my druthers, I would I would much rather sort of a slightly more cartoony artist on this stuff. I think it really works well for me in those those contexts. Well, I mean, Leonard Kirk's not picking up at the airport. That's no, sure. I mean, I haven't even I haven't even seen him in four years. <laughs> so. So those are the books we're going to talk about. Plus the Star Wars Corner at Patreon.com slash iFanboys where you can go. And join up uh, to help support the show. And anyone who joins to help support the show can vote for the patron pick, which is a book to add to the rundown. And this week we had a really tight race. Last week was tight too, but this week we had the top three books all separated by one vote each. But the winner was Archie Meets Batman 66, number one from Archie Comics and DC Comics, written by Jeff Parker and Michael um, Morrissey. Morrissey? Morrissey. Art by Dan Parent. Great cover by the All Reds. Does he draw everything? that Archie does like it's always Dan Parent yeah but Dan, well Dan Parent is the Archie style artist yeah and the thing is though you know they haven't been doing that style in a lot of their books that's true you know that the main Archie book hasn't looked like that in years so I was a little surprised to see that I I was kind of hoping for a all red style 60s artist but a thing, but I came to really enjoy it by the end but let's talk about it so this is the Miniseries crossover featuring Archie and Batman 66, which is, of course, the Adam West Batman. And what I really liked about this issue was that um, they got to put Archie sort of back into that time frame. So you had everybody wearing sort of mod 60s clothing. And I thought I thought it looked and it looked in a way Archie hasn't looked in a long time, which I like. You know, Veronica's in these sort of very stylish 60s dresses and outfits. And I liked that part. of it. I really like this issue. I mean, I know. <laughs> I like Archie, and so this was sort of built right exactly for me. But I really enjoyed this. I thought this was a fun. I mean, there's something there hasn't been much of a crossover yet. We just sort of been spending time with both sides, and at the end they can converge. But I thought this was a fun issue. Um, I can't imagine you liked it at all. I tried. <laughs> no, I, like, I, I love Jeff Parker. I, I but I, I just I don't have a way into this. I don't yeah. really have much affection for Batman 66 other than like, I used to hate it and now I don't hate it. I mean, but I can hear all these characters voices perfectly in my head. Yeah, no, I can like, too. You know, it's not like I'm unfamiliar with it. It's just I but just with don't tons of affection. Yeah. I, Dozier's voiceover. I mean, yeah, I just don't I tell have you, Joan Collins played uh, Siren and uh there was no poison ivy. Yeah, I was going to ask. I didn't think, and, and she's got a, like a southern accent in this. Yeah, it's a I like. I like that they drew the Cesar Romero mustache. I thought that was nice. <laughs> um, but I, I just don't really, I don't really have an affection for it, and I don't, you know, I don't really have an affection for Archie. So you know, I read through it, and I was, I was like, I, I guess that this is good for what this is. Uh, you know, it's like it's like I I love Jeff Parker's work, I, I really yeah. do. But I don't I don't read Batman sixty six, and I've tried to read a bunch of that. Um, uh, the you know the cartoon stuff. The I can't remember what the title. The, one of them came out this week. It was Jeff Frankenstein Junior. But I don't remember the overall title of it. Uh, you know, but I just don't. It's not it's not for me. Um, so I had a, I had a hard time getting into this. You know, not for sure. I bet there's a couple so. times where I thought, why does bet why does Veronica keep changing her clothes in every scene? Also, that's a nice outfit. Um, <laughs> he's Veronica. Uh, so we, we open up with Batman and Robin taking down poison Ivy and we, you know, she's a new character to this world. I haven't seen her before. They could have, there's been a lot of books. Maybe she has showed up back. Girl shows up to help. And then, uh, meanwhile, Archie's hearing about this on the radio while he's working on his jalopy, which is nice. Uh, and so we get a mystery in which, um, Siren, the villain who played play by Joan Collins on the TV show, uh, sings into the radio and, and starts mesmerizing the men of Riverdale. And uh, the, the, Veronica is uh, suspicious. And so we've got these multiple things happening. She turns to Dilton for help, and he radios. He, he, he figured out a way to, to radio Batman at the Batcave for help. So they're going to show up in Riverdale to help figure out why the, the villains have decided to leave Gotham because there's too much too much problems with dealing with Batman and Robin and Batgirl. They're going to go to a different town to terrorize. They, they choose Riverdale. So that's that's what we're that's what we're doing here. I liked it. I thought it was fun. It looked good. Um, if you like Batman, if you like Batman sixty six, if you like Archie, I think you'll probably really enjoy it. If you like, if you don't, that's fine too. Yeah, I think if you like these things, you will like it. I yeah. would I would go with that. It's well done. It seemed let's to be do, well done. Let's do ratings out of ratings. Five. Ratings. I'm going to do uh, four. 
Three? It's okay. You're not going to hurt anybody's feelings. Three? I don't want to give it a bad rating. I just, I'm, I'm going to have to go neutral. I really gave it a uh, shot. I didn't go in with no. the uh, angry. I feel like neutral is 2.5. That's right in the middle. Yeah, but I like, you know, it had things that were like, I liked what it looked like. I liked, I liked the craft that it was done. I liked the coloring. I liked all that stuff. Sticking with it? I am. No. <laughs> okay, so patreon.com slash fanboy. And anybody who joins up there can vote to add a book to the rundown. And also, if you give it the $5 or higher level, you get your own dumb superpower on the show. Maybe not dumb. Maybe it'd be awesome. Who knows? You never know with us. Let's start by thanking Joshua Miller for being a patron. Joshua, Joshua makes things less awkward. That's good. That's nice. Like he 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 emits like a an, a field. So like you're having an awkward conversation somewhere, and Joshua shows up suddenly. He just doesn't feel so awkward. It's a subtle thing. So he's like like CBD oil. <laughs> Like he just everything, everyone just feels more comfortable and less awkward when Joshua's around. Doesn't matter the situation. Well, like Lexapro he, with no sexual side effects. Right. He just everyone feels more comfortable when he's around, and they don't really know why. It's sort of just like a low level, like uh, I don't say telekinesis because that's the wrong thing, but low I, level I, sort of. I have a friend uh, like that. Psychological influence. I, I have. The, I know. There's one guy. You know him too. He's a cartoonist. Uh-huh. And he's super awkward, but when you are around him with other people, everybody's less awkward. It's the weirdest thing. My wife has noticed it too. Well, there you go. Maybe he has the same power. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Josh, or I'm sorry, that's the last guy and me. Uh, Simon Northwood. He can, he can always hold it. You have to go to the bathroom? No, I'm good. I can hold it. <laughs> and it's never... It's never painful. It's it, and it's not hurting he knows, him. No medical side effects. No, he's fine. He can. He's good. Do you want to? Don't worry about. It. We don't need to stop. I'm good. I'm good. We can. We can keep going. He's. You know, like he's. He's made it. He's. He's made it through every movie he's ever gone to. Uh, he doesn't get woken so, up at night. Indefinitely. I mean, I don't. I. I don't know what the limit is, but it's far beyond that of mortal man. He can hold so, it. He's never found himself walking down a Manhattan street and went, oh, no. You know, or been so forced he, to, you know. He's on a, like, a intercontinental flight. He's in the middle row. The guys on the end, they're both asleep. Yeah, he's good. And he's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. 12 hours, no big deal. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not, you know, squeezing and grunting. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't break out in sweats. <laughs> All right. I think that's a great power, by the way. It's very useful, that's for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, Scott Ratray. Scott Ratray. Every car he drives, when he gets 55 miles an hour, time travels. Why you kind of want to watch it with that? Yeah, that's that's the tragedy of it. Is that yeah. you know it's not like the DeLorean hitting 88. This is a 55. So first time he did it, very surprising, shocking. He ended up back in 1962. But he found us, he made his way back, and now he can't go anywhere very quickly. Okay. He's always driving in the right-hand lane. People are always honking at him. But he's got to get to work. He can't be going 1947 today. He's got a big meeting. Fair enough. All right, so coming up next is Eric Hand. And Eric, the restaurant he wants to go to is always open. Always open? Yeah. So say, for example, that there's a noodle place in town, and he thinks, oh, man, I want noodles tonight. But he always forgets it's closed on fucking Mondays. <laughs> or, or, or uh, you know, when I was younger, not now because it would be just suicide, but mm-hmm. it's 2 a.m. And he's like, man, you know what I want? That place is open when he wants that. Now, question, does it apply to places that have closed their business? Is it just hours a thing, or is it like that place went out of business years ago, but suddenly it's open again? That's a good question. No, it has to be an operating business. Okay. But it's hours and days. So is it like it just appears open, or is it just it's just always been open? It's open for him. It's, just him, it's like a little a mystical thing? in a way. Like he will, if it's delivery, he'll call up, they'll bring it in. Uh, or he walks in. Now, if you're somebody else walking along, that place looks closed. Oh, interesting. So it's not like he's open for everyone. It's like a private thing. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah, it's just his his thing, and the, you know the food the food shows up. You know how that happens? I'm not sure. Now, does he tip well? Because he's they're open just for him. Uh, I mean, no, not necessarily. <laughs> All right. There you go. So thanks, Joshua, Simon, Scott, and Eric for being patrons. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where they went and signed up for the $5 or higher level to help support the show. We thank you, everyone who does that. Yeah, so get over to Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Um, I noticed there was... There was some progress made in getting to the next level. There definitely was. I I was like, oh, look at that. We've we've made a little bit of the way there. Uh, The next goal uh, is a non-comics media podcast. And I think think we've got got months of stuff that we could do from that right away. It would be pretty fun. Um, Also, you can get over to our uh, t-shirt store, uh, ifanboy.threadless.com. There are seven designs in there over over there. Uh, I think at this point we can can just say nothing made sense, nothing matters is our big hit. Um, Yeah. Uh, we've seen it at the cons. We've seen people yes, send it. I love it when you guys send us pictures of, of those shirts in the wild, by the way. Even if it's yourself taking the picture of the shirt in the wild. If you see somebody else wearing it in the wild, that's extra special, I think. Um, but get over there. Uh, not just t-shirts, but all sorts of other things you can put them on. Uh, ifanboy.com slash support. Uh, you can go to if you don't want to use Patreon uh, and you just wanted to make a direct direct donation via PayPal, you can do that. Um, again, with all of those things... Uh, uh, obviously, we appreciate it immeasurably. It really it means a ton to us, and it and it, and it really helps keep all this stuff going. Um, and it's just a way, uh, you know, we all support the things that we like, and it's a way for you to support the things that that you know you do, so that we can have the justification to spend the time on this that we do. Um, and and thanks everyone for that. Also, you can go to ifanboycom slash Amazon. You can find the links to buy the books, blow books. You can find a general link to Amazon in there. Again, that's ifanboycom slash Amazon. Um, that's another way to help support the show. Uh, let's do one real quick here. Uh, Liam, uh, one email. Uh, Liam yeah. from Man. <laughs> let's buy something from Amazon real quick right here. <laughs> Liam from Manchester, Everyone just UK. Hold on. We're gonna buy something. He's got a question that he's been meaning to ask for about six months. Uh, there are so many legendary runs and series that it's near impossible for everyone to have read everything. And yet, should you admit as much, you will always be met with the same response. You haven't read that? Which is a sentence I hate, especially when it refers to movies, by the way. Uh, so my question is, what run series have you not read that it's almost embarrassing to admit? For me, it would be Preacher. Fine. I love Garth Ennis and I really enjoy the show. Oh, God. And I know I'd love the book. I even have the first trade sitting on my... Connor, you might have to finish this. I even have the first trade sitting on my shelf. I just haven't got around to it. Well, given the nature of your roles at iFanboy, could you expand this to what series or run did it take you a long time to get around to? I can, I can go further, Liam. Um, first of all, rectify your shit. <laughs> it's there. You're going to get to the end of that first book, and you're going to be like a crack addict scrounging around for volume two. I've been there. Isn't it usually the end of volume two that does it? I mean, yes, but the the end of volume two is like, you can't even, it's... it's, I've heard this from many people that volume one, I I don't know because I read them all in one go, but volume one is, like, it's good, but really volume two is when everyone's like, I I can see that. I can see that. It's when the relationships are sort of solidified that you sort of have the bonds between the characters. Um, but we, I get it. I, I also get it. I have books here that I haven't read that I own uh, all over right. the place uh, and for all sorts of reasons. So I have a I definitely have a list of shame. It's probably not as short as a lot of people, but given my stature at this point, um, it's probably pretty bad. And also well, it, I haven't made any progress on it in 10 years. Well, you've got 80 responsibilities. years of comics. Well, 80 years of comics. Yep. You can't read them all. It's impossible. And, you know. You, we don't do this full time anymore, and you've right. got two kids. And I know, I, I know. Most people I, don't. You just can't read everything. So, like, I don't know. I don't feel embarrassed about having. I've read. We've read a not, lot of stuff. It's that's true, and it's not embarrassing. But there are things that I feel like, in order to speak confidently on and to understand sure. them, I should have read. For me, um, I would say that the, the two things that I I most wish. That I I had a better handle on and 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 I know I'm probably never gonna do this, um, but I'd like to read the uh, early you know the first hundred or two hundred issues of um, Amazing Spider-Man and Fantastic Four. That really is okay. my 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 blind spot I think and like I I get it in its significance. I know why 
it's important. I know what it's like. I've seen a lot of it. I've read bits of it here and there. But, you know, like I have that, um, I don't remember what they're called, but it's like the 900-page Amazing Spider-Man book. The Omnibus. Yeah, the Omnibus. The uh, first volume, yeah. And I've tried, but it's it's pretty dense, and I found it to be kind of impenetrable. Now, I will flip through that stuff and look at the Ditko art. I have, you know, uh, old Jack Kirby uh, omnib- Omniboo, but I've I've looked at a lot more of it than I've read. Right. Um, um, but... <sighs> yeah, it's tough. I... I, there's, there's runs that I think that I w- want to read, like um, Invisibles, or um, I think I did read Morrison's Doom Patrol. But there, like I said, there's, there's, we've done a really good job of reading a lot of the sort of seminal yeah. stuff over the last eight. So you know, certainly the stuff years. during our lifetimes, I think we had yeah. covered pretty well. Um, there's probably a lot of stuff from the '70s I haven't read. Yeah, it's stuff from before our time. Where I mean, it used to be really hard to get. And then yeah. now when it comes out, it's there's so much of it that, you know, like that omnibus is 900 pages. Right. Like that's that's a significant commitment that I don't, I don't really have time for. Um, and, and I get to the same thing. If you are, you know, 25 listening to this, what are you doing with your life? But two, um, you know, like and we say, go read Transmetropolitan. That's not a small ask. Go read Scalped. You know, like it's a significant right. monetary investment one way or another. It's a huge time investment. Um, and there's and there's also there's so much. I read comics for hours and hours and hours a week still. Yeah. And and I'm not you know I'm not even close. It's like it's, there's a lot of things. So we 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 if we just had to read. I mean, if we didn't have to read the weekly books, we could go back and read a lot more. It's yeah. a trade off, right? It's one or the other. So yeah. that's just the way it goes. But I mean, there's tons of there's there's eighty. 80 years of comics out there and there's always a good run you, you or something, an era that you haven't read. And that's yeah. okay. That's okay. You, no one can read it all. Well. So, <laughs> so I, instead I someone, people focus on owning it all. Who, I know someone who is trying. Um, <laughs> at least all the Marvel stuff. Contact at ifanboy.com is where you can write in uh, like Liam if you have a question for the show. Thanks to everyone who does that. That's a really good that's question. Good. We've never been asked that before as far as I can tell. It's oh, a good question. Maybe. maybe. But, not in a while. There's 80 years of emails as well. That's true. Let's wrap it up. Okay. Uh, you can listen to my most recent Talksplode with Terry Moore um, in, in last month. And I just I, I just encourage you to listen to that because I thought it was a delight uh, to have that conversation. Um, and also, uh, we just released our newest Booksplode where we talked about Planetary Book One, another you know is, is seminal run that you should be reading. Uh, that encompasses the first uh, 14 issues of the book and a couple of specials. Uh, Connor and I went back to it for the first time in well over a decade. Uh, and it was, uh, it was a fun conversation and read. Ant-Man and the Wasp was our last movie podcast we did recently. It was Ron Richards and I came back. He broke the Marvel rule to talk about Ant-Man because of a specific joke in the sh- in the movie. <laughs> and uh, the next special edition show for a film is going to be something. I don't have I don't I'm not, I'm on the road. I don't have my calendar in front of me, but you can look forward to more movie shows. And there's a animated show coming soon in next month. So there's some special edition movie stuff, TV stuff coming your way. And also, if you're a patron, in addition to the voting on the patron pick and the patron powers we have our monthly patron hangout which josh and i and sometimes a special guest will just babble like idiots for an hour for your enjoyment blah, 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 the, next, blah. the next one's going to be july 23rd so if you're listening to the show early on it's going to be monday july 23rd 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern so you can come check it out there and listen to us talk i don't know what it's going to be it's not this month we're doing the gi joe fantasy draft but it's next month okay as we talked about last week at last month's show so August we're doing the GI Joe fantasy draft this this month. We don't have a planned topic. Maybe I'll talk about Comic Con. We'll do some other discussions. All right. But it'll be a patron hangout. Uh, let's bring this let's bring this kid home. Head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts and past content, some of which is really old now. Um, mm-hmm. You can find out what the pick is before the show comes out by liking uh, facebook.com slash ifanboy and following at ifanboy on Twitter. You can follow us individually at jflanagan on Twitter and Instagram and at Patrick on Instagram. And finally, if you like the show, please leave us a review or or just a star rating on iTunes. It helps people find podcasts. It's really one of the easiest things you can do to help any show you listen to. Even better than that is to tell your friends who might like a podcast, our podcast, any podcast you listen to. Uh, it's it's really a great thing you can do is to help people find the show, and we really do appreciate that. No one here has marketing budgets, so we appreciate any help we can get spreading iFanboy around the world. And until next week, when I'll be back, and I won't be so much whispering, I'm Connor. 
And I'm Josh. Goodbye. Dishes in my sink. Flies my air. My toilet's full and quiet.